and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. I'm curious, do you want to know how to achieve lasting positive transformation, abundance and empower your life? If you are not happy with where you are today and the repeating patterns that represent in your life over and over again, then a radical shift is what's required to help you make changes and live your life more on purpose. All you need to do is sign up to our email list and you will receive an online module on how to create radical paradigm shifts. You can get it completely for free when you sign up to our email list at katherineplano.com. And as a valued subscriber, you are also going to get exclusive content that's only available to our email subscribers, where we will have members-only events, free access to online masterclasses, VIP and discount tickets to all events. Only available for people on our email list, we offer bonus content with more advanced tips that are exclusive just for our email subscribers. There is an amazing stuff available for you only if you sign up to the email list and you can do that by going to katherineplano.com and sign up on the homepage. This week, as always, we have a super amazing guest for you, Dr. Anita Polite-Wilson. Dr. Anita is the founder and CEO of Dr. Anita Enterprises, Inc. She helps leaders and teams in high-stress situations rapidly build the processes they need to navigate today's reality of complexity and change. Her mission includes coaching and advising leaders at all organizational levels on their journey towards accepting and adapting to the unique needs of today's workforce, which reflects more diverse individuals from five generations creating increasingly dynamic teams. Working with leaders for more than 20 years, Dr. Anita has been successful at shifting the paradigm of change management from check the box initiatives, having little or no impact, to change the culture behaviours that will noticeably improve collaboration. As a strength-based coach, facilitator and consultant, Dr. Anita firmly believes in the potential that resides inside every single person. Studies have proven that we're all pretty much the same except for a 2% differentiator in our DNA that makes us unique. That uniqueness is our gift. It's what sets us apart. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Enjoy. 
Well, this morning I am super excited. We have Dr. Anita Polite Wilson, affectionately known as Dr. Anita. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thank you, Catherine. I'm so excited and honored to be with you this morning. Well, it's actually afternoon out here in California. And it's, what, 7.55 and a Saturday morning for me. But um, so for our listeners, the reason I'm super excited is uh, Nita and I go back Oh, God, I think we started last year. She was my buddy for a course we both did together, Psychological Safety. So I'm super excited because Anita also specializes in strength-based leadership, and we've never had or talked about this topic. But before we deep dive into that, I would love to ask Anita, like we ask our woman of inspiration with every show, tell us your story. How did you get to where you are today? Well, I got here where I am today because a couple of years ago, I realized after some changes that happened in the workplace that I just didn't want to be part of um, corporate America anymore. I did not like what I saw as far as the way people felt demotivated, demoralized, devalued, discouraged, and any other D word that you can think of. Not only do I did I work inside of a corporation, but like most people, I had a little side hustle. So I was also a leadership certificate program facilitator for one of the local colleges out here, UC San Diego. And in the evenings, I was working with professionals who were feeling all of those things that I saw in my own workplace. And when the company where I was decided to reorganize, I decided I'm not going to do this anymore. So I'm going to go ahead and get on the journey from the no longer where I was as an employee to the not yet where I wanted to be as an entrepreneur. And if anyone else out there is thinking the same, I will tell you one of two things. It is more than a notion, but it's worth it. Mm. So maybe talk us through strength-based. For those that don't know what that is, talk us through it, please. Well, the strength-based philosophy was founded by Dr. Donald Clifton, of the Gallup organization. He was one of the co-founders of the Gallup organization. And I'm sure most people are familiar with when you're watching political news, they talk about the Gallup polls. That's the Gallup organization. This is an offshoot. This is developmental workplace strategies. And there's an assessment. And before I go any further, let us be clear on language. A test is right or wrong. Two plus two is four. That's right. Two plus two is five. That's wrong. An assessment reflects what is. So whenever you take an assessment, please think of it not as a test because there's nothing wrong with you. It's an assessment that just reflects what is. And unless we know what is, we can't identify the gap between where we are and where we'd like to be so that we can uh, improve on our performance. So that being said, StrengthsFinders 2.0 is an assessment that will show you what your top five strengths are. So let me pause here again and say that it's not to pigeonhole you. Anytime you take an assessment and look at your results, please do not think of yourself as being pigeonholed. It's an opportunity for you to understand what is about you. And assessments reveal to you the unknown about you. So everyone has top five strengths and they're all different. But even if Catherine and I had the same top five strengths, they're going to be in a different order. But even in the unlikely event that Catherine and I had the same top five strengths in the same order, they're going to show up differently because Catherine and I are different. 
So just like our fingerprints are unique to us and no one else has the same set of fingerprints, the way our strengths show up and the way we lean into and leverage our strengths are going to show up for us the way they won't show up for anyone else. Now, there are 34 strengths, but out of those 34, we all reside with our top five. And there are four different domains of strengths. There's the executing domain, the influencing domain, the relationship building domain, and the strategic thinking domain. And depending on where your strengths lie in those domains, that tells you that's where your giftedness is. That's where you move and operate the very, very best. When people don't understand what their strengths are, I lovingly call them occupational misfits because a lot of people get into roles and jobs that just don't align what I call who do alignment. So let's take a really simple example. If you are someone who's motivated by affiliation or you really love working with people and you're always on these singular loan projects that keep you locked up in a room, you're not going to be very happy. Similarly, if you're always doing things that are outside of your strengths, instead of doing things that build on your strengths, you're really not going to be happy. So that is in a nutshell what strengths-based leadership is all about. Oh, I love that. So can you just repeat those two, those four? Did you say those that execute, influence and relationships and thinking? Was that right before? Yes. And strategic thinking. Yes. Relationship building, strategic thinking, executing and that's it. Influencing. Okay. Yeah. So what, you know, I remember, for example, I'm just going through, you know, when I was growing up, I remember my parents looking at my report, for example, and I'm sure that every single person listening to this, they probably would have experienced the same thing, that even schools do this. They look at the reports and they go, well, let's hone into Catherine's report. She got an F in English. So this is where we're probably going to have to get her a tutor and invest some time and energy on um, focusing on her opportunities. What are your thoughts around that? Because that is the kind of a culture we live in. You're absolutely right. We're conditioned to be, and I use air quotes here, well-rounded. And when I speak with leaders and teams, I first try to get leaders to understand what's most important is not trying to force well-rounded individuals. What's most important is trying to assemble a well-rounded team. In other words, if we've discovered that Catherine is not very good at English, but Catherine can research the socks off any subject matter you give her. And Anita's very good at English, but not so hot at research. The common sense thing to do is partner them up together and let them work on a project that allows them to use their strengths. My personal philosophy is this, unless it has to do with interpersonal skills, interpersonal development, interpersonal relationships, whatever you're not good at, find somebody else who is. And top business leaders will tell you they find the people that are better doing at what they're not good at. That's only smart. Why would you knock yourself against the wall trying to do something that you're not good at? It drains your energy. It sucks your soul. And it really takes energy away from the areas that you are good. That's self-defeating. That's my personal philosophy. And when I share it, a lot of people tend to agree with me once they've thought about it. Anything that sucks your soul and drains your energy, you need to find a success partner to do that thing with you. Oh, it's so true. I mean, I relate to that. I think you and I have had many conversations and I think for me it's I know that, for example, I don't love spreadsheets. I'm right. not a very detailed person, but I can be, but it's not my default position. And absolutely, I have people around me that are really good with that stuff, which allows mm-hmm. me to focus on the things that naturally um, – 
naturally, you know, it just comes natural to me. So it's a, it's one of those, I, I get a buzz doing the things that I'm naturally good at. Absolutely. And here's the thing that we fail to remember. Just because you're naturally good at it, do not take that for granted. It's a sign that it's a strength because when other people come up to you and say, Catherine, you're so awesome at X, Y, and Z, don't discount that. You're awesome at it and it's easy for you because it's your strength. It's a struggle for them because it's not. They need you and you probably need them for something else. So from a team dynamic, and I'm sure there's lots of, we have lots of entrepreneurs and I'm sure lots of people in business and lots of corporations that listen to this show, what would be that piece of advice you'd give them? Because I know from a HR point of view that there is lots of people out there and we naturally do that, go straight to what are our opportunities and focus on that and then build goals around that or the development plans around their opportunities. What would you say to them? What I would say to them is, Right now, there seems to be mixed feelings about assessments. So there are some standards that are very popular, Myers-Briggs, DISC, and those are temperament assessments. What I have found is when I explain to people the benefit of strengths and how it complements your knowledge with Myers-Briggs and DISCs, it gives them a whole different sense of how to build a high-performing team. And it really is looking at Who's great at what on my team and aligning my talents with my tasks? A couple of things are going to happen. Engagement is going to increase. Productivity is going to increase. And once other people understand and recognize their own strengths and the strengths of their team, then you can actually work on team-based performance coaching where someone says, you know what, Catherine, you're really awesome at that. I think I want to put you over here on this project because we need that same skill set. So that when coworkers can attribute strengths to the contributions that someone makes on a team, everyone's feeling better about moving forward together and everyone can move forward together with a shared purpose. It's less about coming in and doing a job and more about how am I fulfilling my purpose? How am I helping the team and the company fulfill its purpose together? Mm, I love that. So it's really about, so once again, so people for anyone that's listening out there, they would do an assessment uh, within their teams, and then they would then collaborate and actually lean on each other's strengths. Absolutely. Now, one of the things that I do, because I've designed a couple of workshops around this, but my favorite is I have a huge laminated table size spreadsheet, and I'll have a team come up with a real-life project that they're working on, and we'll list out the project, why it's important, due dates, things like that. We'll have them plot their strengths on the grid. We'll have them talk about the roles that need to take place in order to get them where they're trying to go. And they will fit themselves into the role that they feel they can benefit the most based on their strengths. And within an hour, we've got a strengths-based project plan that they can take back and work on and move forward. And I absolutely love it. My teams love it. it. And it just seems to make sense. Oh, I love that. Absolutely love that. So now what we're going to do is shift gears a little bit and go back to you, Anita. So sure. what radical shift made your life for the better? Well, as we talked about this morning, when I decided to uh, leave corporate America, mm. I did so because I was choosing a path of least resistance for my soul, Catherine. It was so much easier for me to believe in my value than to convince a system to believe in my value. And it was easier to become equally yoked with others, people like you, who live for purpose rather than to become assimilated with an organization that existed for profit. And for a quick minute here, I want to talk about the way you and I met. 
because when I'm talking about being equally yoked with others who live for purpose, I think about you. I had taken this course because even though I was no longer working with a corporation who would pay for my assessments, I wanted to continue to learn and grow as a professional. And when I signed up for the psychological safety, I was told that I would have a partner in Australia with a seven hour time difference. I'm thinking a seven hour time difference. What is that going to mean? And a couple of times I started to reach out to the coordinator to see if I could get someone in the U.S. And I will forever be grateful that I did not do that because I would have missed out on an opportunity to meet an amazing, dynamic professional that I can look up to as a role model and as a collaborator, as a friend, that being you, and also have an opportunity to expand my network. And so I say that to say this, we need to be sure that we know what our purpose is and that we do not cut off doors that might lead us down pathways to help us fulfill our purpose that we otherwise would not find. That simple exercise of going with the flow and not going with what I was comfortable with, which would have been a U.S. partner, I really think that's done a lot to help me along in my entrepreneurial journey. So thank you for being my, my learning buddy and for just being the encouragement that I need whenever I need to reach out and drop you an email. I really appreciate you. And the work that you do is inspiring. Oh, you are so gorgeous. And for our listeners, I paid Anita to say that. <laughs> you <laughs> most certainly did not. That came from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> no, I was joking. That was maybe for our listeners, should we unpack just a little bit high level what psychological safety is? Did you want to do that? Really high level? Really, really high level. So, yeah. and I love speaking about this. Psychological safety really has to do with how comfortable we are to show up and be ourselves. Safety is an acronym. Catherine, help me out if I miss anything. S is security. Yes. A is autonomy. F is fairness. E is esteem. T is trust. And Y is you, or to the degree that all of these things show up for you. Everyone needs each one of these different areas, but to different levels. So for an example, I have a very high need for security, which is the S, or at least I thought I did. I'm beginning to rethink that. Because for years, I equated security with having a full-time job and steady income. I made that decision to come out and strike out on my own as an entrepreneur. And all you entrepreneurs out there know that there is no such thing as steady income, at least for the first five years. So I'm beginning to rethink what security means to me. But let's say that I am the leader of a team with a high need for security and let's say that Catherine is a member of my team and she's got a high need for autonomy. And let's say that we're going through a whole lot of organizational changes. My high need for security to Catherine, who has a high need for autonomy, may look like I'm micromanaging because every minute of, of every day I want to know what she's doing. Her high need for autonomy and being able to get stuff done and only checking in when she needs to, to me, might look like she's a maverick and no longer a team player. Unless we know what our needs are and can express them and can come together and have a conversation to come to the conclusion that says, okay, me as her leader, as a high need for security, I can back off and not tag up with her every day and come across as a micromanager. But I can say to satisfy my need for security, I will know that every Friday we'll have a conversation to find out the status. However, if there's something that I need to know that Catherine knows would set me off. If I didn't know it before Friday, she will tell me. To honor Catherine's high need for autonomy, 
I'm going to give her that space to say, let's only meet Fridays with the understanding that if you come across something that you know is going to freak me out, if I don't find out until Friday, you will tell me. That is how psychological safety at a very high level works. You need to know how much you need in each one of those categories. Again, S is security, A is autonomy, F is fairness, T is trust, Y is you, and have those conversations with your team. That's going to be huge to developing trust. Oh, and you did that so perfectly. And you remembered, you remembered, oh, did I say that word right? Remembered autonomy was my high. I was high in autonomy and low in trust. Yes. So tell us how that showed up for you, high autonomy and low in trust. So I know that I need uh, my sense of freedom. I don't like to be micromanaged. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I work really well when I do have autonomy. Uh, and low in trust. So how did that show up? We've had lots of conversations on how that shows up. So for me, I trust my team around me that they will do what they need to do. Uh, And then uh, what that actually led to was, um, I guess, the opposite. It's that because I trust everybody in what they say and trust everything that they uh, can do. Um, why would I think otherwise if they tell me that's what they do? Um, what was happening was I was being um, let down so often. So when Anita and I were working through that, it's having high autonomy, but rather than just trusting everybody, I still have my sticky note on my computer, by the way. It's <laughs> when people show, this came from Anita, by the way, when people show you who they are, you need to believe them. So that was so um, profound for me because for me, I was like, oh, I'm a visual person when they can show me rather than tell me what they can, they can do, but show me instead, my trust was then met and I was, um, able to let go. I, um, I don't, I'm not, uh, I don't, I don't micromanage at all. I don't oversee projects. I just let people run with it. So it was very um, a bit a big aha moment, which actually, when I think about it, in every aspect of my life. So same in relationships. So these are also linked into not just in a work environment, but in uh, relationships as well. So for, as long as I've got my freedom in a relationship, I trust my partner. And of course, that hasn't always worked out for the best. But now I realise that sometimes when you give too much rope, that mm-hmm. sometimes people hang themselves with it. Yes. To put it nicely. Well, and I think it's because people don't realize. I recall a time last year, and you and I, you helped me through this. I recall a time last year when I made a decision that I would not have normally made. And I thought about it and thought about it for about two or three months. And finally, it occurred to me I made that decision in a time where I was not feeling psychologically safe, where I didn't feel like I had a choice to do anything differently. And now that I understand about psychological safety, I would have had a conversation before I made that decision to let someone know why I was making that decision, because I understood why I was making that decision. I don't think that we realize how much psychological safety impacts every area of our lives. And that's another reason why it's so important for us, I believe, to take assessments, because we don't know what we don't know. So true. It was. It's pretty amazing. And uh, I'm sure we'll probably do another show, John, on just that, on the psychological Mm -hmm. safety, because there's so much. I mean, when you unpack the topic, there is so much to it. Yes. So much. 
So Anita, for our listeners, uh, if somebody wanted to embark on a new career or even a new life like you, you've gone and dived into and become this amazing entrepreneur, what would be that piece of advice you'd give them? That one piece. Know yourself. And I will tell you three things that I believe about people. The first thing I believe about people is everyone is gifted to shift into new levels of success. And that goes straight to your strengths finders. What are your five strengths and how can you use them in different ways to reach new levels of success? The second thing that I know about people is everyone is packaged with potential for purpose. Everyone fulfills a purpose, no matter what it is. And the third thing that I know about people is that everyone is experienced enough to find answers from within. So when you think about those three things, they all amount to knowing yourself and people need to know themselves, value themselves and explain to others how to value them. There's an old saying that this, that says you teach people how to treat you, but unless you know your own value, you will put up with anything out of anybody. Mm, I love that. You're such a wise soul. <laughs> I was raised by a wise woman. Yeah, I know. I just think the time that we spent together, which was a long time, which was probably not long enough because we love each other so much, I think that you've always come out with some beauties, some really amazing golden nuggets. So, Anita, throughout your journey, what has been a greatest or some of the greatest lessons that you have learned along your way? So this one's pretty personal and it's important to share. And hold me in your thoughts so I can get through it. But I recall a second grade teacher of mine who told my parents that I wasn't very bright. And I don't think she realized that my mother was an educator and that she was she had connections in a school system. So my mother actually thanked her for that feedback. And my mother had me tested and I was placed in what's called out here the GATE program, which stands for Gifted and Talented Education. So from that time on through high school, I was in honors classes, but for years I worked extremely hard, earning five degrees, numerous certificates, awards in my professional life, proving to someone that second grade teacher who I'm sure died years ago and who didn't matter anyway, that I was smart enough. But it's only been this year that I realized that all my hard work and success was to prove her wrong. And it's only been this year that I realized she doesn't matter. So the greatest lesson that I learned kind of goes in two different directions. The first one was I was driven to try and prove myself to someone whose opinion didn't really matter. And the second lesson was I can still use that for my benefit because even though it was coming from a place of pain, it propelled me into my place of purpose. Mm, I can relate to that. I'm right there with you, darling. I can relate to that one too. You're always, I'm always uh, doing things uh, as a way to prove that I am smart enough. Uh, and it's and it's and it comes back to you know, are you doing this for yourself or are you doing this for somebody else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people um, suffer from low self-esteem. I don't think that's ever been the case for me because my parents always raised me truly to believe that I could do whatever I wanted. Mm. But but realizing that my drivenness come from a place of trying to prove something to someone whose opinion didn't matter, that was a huge epiphany for me this year. And actually, 
it caused a lot of pain on my right side. And it wasn't until I started digging deep with a holistic um, uh, doctor and he did some tapping and things like that. And he said, here's a problem. He said, what happened to you between the ages of, you know, whatever second grader is. And when I brought that out and cried from the depths of my soul and continued to work on that for the past six months, the pain that I had in my side ever since I left my company is, is down to like 10%. So going back to psychological safety, we don't realize all of the stuff that is in us, whether we put it in there, or whether other people placed it in there, that really impacts how we show up and we don't realize it. Yeah, so true. So, so yeah. true. So did you have kinesiology? Is that what you had? You know, this was a doctor that I had discovered through a network. Um, I have not been back to him since because I really am feeling better. But man, what he went, what he did for me was just amazing. Mm. Just amazing. Yeah. Because mm, I, I was curious because when you said tapping, there's also tapping. There's the the tapping with the meridians or there's also the muscle testing, which is uh, the kinesiology, which is I've had both and mm -hmm. uh, stuff from my past has come out as well, which is very, very powerful for those that are sitting listening or driving, listening and wondering what we're talking about. Have a look. Check it out. So, Anita, the other thing that we love to ask a woman of inspiration is pain points. We believe everyone has pain points. So what are mm. some of your biggest pain points or a pain point, and how do you get, you uh, stumble on your solution? Well, right now, my biggest pain point is wondering if I'm smart enough for entrepreneurship because this is never a place that I had planned to be. Um, the only thing that I can liken this to is getting my PhD. That was never my plan but I was called to it. I had a very, very strong calling to go back and get my PhD for whatever reason. And there were guidelines that I could follow to do that. And I'm very much, give me a plan and I will just make it happen. But I was pushed into entrepreneurship and there are no guidelines with being an entrepreneur. So you may know what to do. You may know what you do well because it's so natural, but it's hard to describe it and to differentiate it from other people who do what they do well. And it's very difficult for me, it was, to leave a situation where I was considered the subject matter expert within my the company where I was working and finding myself in a spot where I don't know what I don't know. And I think I've said that once before today. It's humbling. It's frustrating. It's scary. It's really tiring. It's hard to coach myself with the same counsel that I coach others because I can't be objective about my own situation. And I will say that I started out really well in my first year just setting up infrastructure. But now I'm recognizing that I take it one day at a time. And sometimes that means just sitting and thinking. Other times I'm productive and it's a daily choice. Every day I get up and I, and I pray and I say, okay, God, what are we going to do today? Cause I can't figure this out. So you tell me what we're going to do today. And being a very structured person, I'm really grateful when a meeting that I had planned set up for whatever reason, the person I was going to meet with, they can't do it because I'm like, okay, this is an opportunity for me to do something else. So even though this is not a place where I ever plan to be, I'm adjusting. Uh, when people ask me, how's it going? I say, I'm building my business so that I make sure that I keep strong, positive, futuristic words out in the atmosphere versus how I might really feel internally because those feelings will pass. 
So true. And, you know, darling, everybody is on that same journey. It's, it's, it's constant. It's never, it never stops. You're always trying to find what's going to be that next hook. What's mm. going to get you to, uh, where you need to get to. And it is one of those things that you've just got to keep showing up. That's the way mm. that I saw it. You know, it's, it's been what, 10 years now, but as long as you just keep showing up. And then things just happen and unfold. But it is a tough journey. Absolutely, it is a tough journey. And one of the things that I find with a lot of the entrepreneurs that we've had on the show and a lot of the entrepreneurs that I work with, it's it's more so about uh, finding that sweet spot. What is mm. going to be that sweet spot for me? And, you know, what you do uh, is very, very uh, – I mean, you, you do a lot of corporate training, which is – you know, that, that is your sweet spot. And when we're talking about working with large corporations, that takes time as well once you start getting your name out there. Uh, mm -hmm. But it, it, it does happen. It just doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen. Mm -hmm. And yes. you've got the perfect attitude as well. Like you're, you're, you're not saying, oh, it's not working for me. It's not going to happen. You're actually saying, I'm building it. I'm working on it. So you're moving towards your business. Well, we have to speak what we want. We have to speak it into existence. And I, you know, I think you said uh, when we first started talking not to be airy fairy, but we have to speak what we want into existence and we need to realize the power of words. I don't know if you're seeing what's going on here in America, but the power of words is so important. And long before whatever's going on in our political environment was taking place years ago, I would tell people that I would have workshops with or coach the power of your words. And I would tell them, and if your viewers or if your listeners are somewhere where they're actually sitting down writing something, I would like for them to do this. Write down the word lessons. I'm sorry, write down the word failures. And then right underneath that, write down the word mistakes. And then I want you to circle both of those words and put a line through it because that's the international symbol of don't. And then right next to those two words, I want you to write lessons learned. Language is huge. I spent the last 14 years in the aerospace industry and in the aerospace industry, a true failure is the loss of life and a true mistake is the loss of billions of dollars of payload that explode in the air. I share that with people so that we can put failures and mistakes into perspectives. And unless you're in an industry where you are either going to be risking the loss of life or the loss of billions of dollars in payload, Everything else is a lesson learned. So one of the activities that I have a, a group do, I'll have them stand up and I'll say the word failure really, really loud. And I'll ask them, how does that make you feel? Stuck, disappointed, um, hurt, can't move forward. And then I'll ask them to say, all right, now in the same loud voice, I want you to say lesson learned. And I'll ask them, how do you feel? Hopeful, encouraged, excited to move forward. Our language is huge. And even using the word failure or mistake, some people get stuck in that and feel like they can never move forward. But if we use the language of lessons learned, we can say, well, that didn't go the way I planned, but this is what I've learned for next time when I do it again or when I try something similar. 
And so language is huge and we really need to take that into account when we're speaking about building our business and where we plan to go. And even though it didn't happen the way we wanted it this way, we cannot stay in that and speak in that. We need to talk in terms of, well, it didn't go the way I wanted, but this is what I've learned and this is what I'm going to do the next time out as I'm continuing to build my business. I love that. And I'm big on that as well. I always say, um, you know, if you think of and you start talking about a problem and you unpack the problem, you're kind of digging a hole for yourself. But then if you look at that as an opportunity, you're moving towards a solution. So I I use that as moving away language, like so it's a mistake or a failure or a problem or, you know, whatever that may be. Uh, and if we were to flip that, what's a moving towards language that will, like you were saying, so these are lessons learned, these are opportunities, these are, this is, what's the solution? So you're actually starting to move towards, um, you know, a goal. That's right. And similar to that, it reminds me of the theory behind appreciative inquiry, where if we've got a challenge that we're looking at and we're not quite sure what to do with it, We go back to a previous challenge that we had in which we were successful and we say, what are the best practices, the tools and techniques that I applied to this previous challenge that is very similar to this current challenge so I can apply those same practices, tools and techniques so that I can move forward. So we look at a previous challenge from the perspective of appreciative inquiry, which says, what did I do to overcome this one that I can apply to overcome this one? Mm, I love that. Absolutely love that. So Anita, if we were going to go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, advice I would give my younger self. Don't listen to me. No, (laughs) I would tell myself what one of my mentors used to tell me all the time. And he would just say this after I dump on him, he'd say, you'll be just fine. And he would say it in such a comforting tone of voice. And he would say it because being at least 20 years older than me, he knew that things always work themselves out. Maybe not the way we expected or planned or prayed for, but things always work themselves out. Now, the best piece of advice that I've ever been given is to rest before I need it. And I tell other professionals the same thing. And the example I give them is is this. It's like filling up your gas tank on Sunday night. Seeing that you need to fill up again Wednesday night, but you keep driving until Friday, expecting that the fumes will get you where you're trying to go. It doesn't work that way for a car and it doesn't work that way for us. We need to fill up before we're running on fumes because we won't make it to our destination in life. And I'm told that you can actually ruin your fuel line if you ever run out of gas. Now, it's not happened to me, so I don't know. But how much more so for us as people if we don't rest before we need it? So I would tell myself, you'll be just fine. And I would tell myself, rest before you need it because I have a tendency to work and work and work and work like a dog. I hear you loud and clear. I'm the same. I love that. Rest before you need it. I'm going to another sticky note on my computer. So Anita, who's been your greatest influence along your journey? My parents and especially my mother. And I know that, you know, it sounds like, oh gosh, everybody says that, but it's true. Your parents are the closest things to you. And and I was blessed to have an amazing set of parents, but especially my mother, in my eyes, she did everything right. She met my dad in college. They married. She began her career as an educator. She had me and my brother. They bought the house. They continued her education. She earned two additional master's degrees on top of her bachelor's that she earned when she met my dad. Retired. They paid off the house. 
Then she worked for the church, retired again. And now she's a caregiver to my dad after over 50 years of marriage. And she's always modeled for me what it meant to integrate work and life before the term was even coined. My mom did it with grace and style. She was a fashion plate. I mean, that woman could dress. And I remember the times that she would take me shopping. Her closet was so amazing that even though I was like half her size and half her shoe size, I was always trying to figure out what I could pull out of her closet, where to school, come back home and put it back in her closet before she realized it. She could cook like nobody's business. She could entertain. She was gracious. She was beautiful. She was stylish. My mom was all that and a bag of chips, as we say. And so she really has been my role model. She's taught me how to have a strong abiding faith. And that has seen me through more challenges than I care to remember sometimes. So my greatest influence, my Shiro, my role model is my mother. Oh, that's so beautiful. I've got goosebumps over goosebumps over goosebumps. That's so beautiful. So, Anita, as we start wrapping up the show, we'd love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I recently finished working with a branding coach because I'm updating my website. And my word is commander. And I was so excited when she said that. And here's what the report says a commander is. Those with a commander earn respect with higher standards, connect with emotion, and change the game with creativity. You are expressive, forward-thinking, results-oriented, approachable, and aspirational. You'll attract your tribe by communicating a message that speaks to your innovative, insightful, bold, slightly unorthodox, but elite approach and brand. And the word commander totally nailed me. So that is my one word, commander. But it comes from a place of commanding your attention so that I can help you get where you're trying to go. I love that. And how did you come up? How how did you both come up with that word? Is Was there something you had to fill out or was it just, what was the driver? We had conversations. There was something that I had to fill out and she plops out this report that's amazing. It showed me what my colors were, what it meant that I loved animal print. It's energetic what it meant that I love fire and water. Fire is energy. Water is flow. I mean, she just nailed it from head to toe. And if anyone's interested, it's Dr. Carol Parker Walsh. She is amazing. Dr. Carol Carol Parker Parker Walsh. Walsh. Wow, love that. It sounds amazing. So the other thing that we do, Anita, as we wrap up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to select or pick three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners today. So what are those three shiny golden nuggets? I I love it. So going back to who you are, take assessments, and you can do that in one of three ways. You can first ask others why they come to you and how similar those responses are. You can second, ask yourself what you do really well and don't judge it. People need what you do really well. And let's think about the fact that, you know, there are careers like blogging, uh, events coordinators, gamers. Those are careers that didn't exist 10, 15 years ago, but obviously somebody needs those things. So they're out there. So whatever it is that you're good at, don't discount it. And the third thing I would say, ask tools or formal assessments to reveal to you what's hidden about you. And remember that assessments are not tests because tests are right or wrong. Assessments reveal what is, period. 
you take all of that information, what others say about you, what you know you do really well, and what assessments reveal about you, and reflect on everything in context. And you should notice a common thread that is the foundation for your greatness, and the world needs it. Oh, so beautifully said. And I agree, Anita. I think assessments are great because what they do is shine light on our blind spots. They're things that we're not even conscious about. Hence the the information we're talking about with psychological safety. It's some of the stuff that came up for me. I was never uh, privy to it until I did that course. And, um, you know, I think all assessments has really helped me learn and unpack who I am. Absolutely. I think, though, For those who don't have access to formal assessments, the best assessment you can do is to give yourself the gift of your own presence. If something is bothering you, sit down and think about it. What could be triggering this? Why might that be? Hone in on it. Investigate what's going on. Find a way to fix your self-perception and your self-talk around that that thing and then reach out to someone to partner with as as someone that you can team up with to help you get through that thing. Sometimes just sitting down and thinking about what you're thinking about, which we know is metacognition, is the best assessment that you can go through because that's causing you to reflect on your own experience, why you're feeling the way you do, what might be the cause of that, and how you can move yourself forward. Mm. I just adore you. So, Anita, where is the best place for our listeners to find you? I am at www.dranita.com, and you need to spell that out, D-O-C-T-O-R-A-N-I-T-A.com. My website is currently under a revamp, so bear with me if it's ever down. But you can always find me on LinkedIn, and on LinkedIn, I am at Anita Polite. Wilson, PhD. That's A N I T A P O L I T E W I L S O N, capital P, lowercase h, capital D. Pull that up and you'll find me and everything you need to know in my background. I also have a Facebook page called Real Conversations with Dr. Anita. And every now and then I'll go in there and just start up a real conversation. You never know what we're going to talk about. So I invite you to find me there as well. Oh, love it. So we'll have those in the show notes. Anita, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. It's been such a delight and I'm sure our listeners are going to reach out uh, just as much as um, once they hear this and uh, see what you do. They are going to love you as much as I love you. And uh, thank you so much for your time and your energy. And it was so great to catch up again. Thank you for allowing me to share your space, Catherine. You are awesome. And I can't wait to see you hopefully in January when I take my vacation to Australia. I know. It's going to happen very quickly. I can't wait. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you once again. My pleasure. Bye, everybody. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift. Where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook. To soothe your soul. Now, 
If you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care of yourself. <music>